This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I'm going to just jump in um, to this Impact Church 2.0, and um, I want to say right off the bat that this is literally two years in the making. Literally two years in the making. Some of the discussions that started to happen about changing some things and maybe re-looking at some things or even the way that we evaluate things started to happen about two years ago. And the one thing that we started to do is as we started to process through this uh, concept of change and, and you know what we're looking to do, um, I can honestly say I don't think we could have done this any sooner. Some people come and say, why can't you just change it up and let's go with it and Yay. Because what we realized as we were processing through Impact Church 2.0 is that there was thoughts that we were having two years ago that actually were the seedbed for the next thought. But if we went with the original thought, we, it wouldn't be looking like it is today. We started to almost just layer thought after thought after thought. And then as soon as we started to layer all of these thoughts together, we started to see what Impact Church needed to be. So you guys have already seen the look, the new logo, but there's the new logo behind us. Um, it is sharp. I'm actually going to, over the next couple of weeks and months, uh, just kind of explain a little bit again about what our logo represents and the icon in particular. Um, but I wanted to start with a couple of basic thoughts that kind of help determine the process for Impact Church 2.0. So we literally started by evaluating everything, like literally everything. We had a discussion about every single item every event, every ministry that we do. And we talked about a whole pile of things. But what eventually or what ultimately were we evaluating? We were evaluating the effectiveness of every ministry, every process, every resource, uh, every uh, volunteer, which ultimately enabled us to more easily see and envision what this Impact Church 2.0 was going to look like. We try to anticipate future growth. We, we try to think through sustainability. We try to think through empowerment of people. And ultimately that this church would understand that every single person in this church is on mission every day. So it had to start to kind of reframe how we thought about some things. So I'm saying all that to say that we are stepping into this next season as a church, with this mindset that we as a church are not here just to do Sunday services, put smiles on people's faces, and then go home. This is a church that from the very inception has been called to make an impact. So that means we are all called to make an impact. And if I can describe Impact Church 1.0, is we had some people that felt that, but not everyone. And so what we're going to do is we're going to step into an Impact Church 2.0 with this idea that I have a special call from God. I have a purpose. God wants to use me. God can even use all the idiosyncrasies of my life and all all the odd stuff too. He can. How do I know? I'm here. <laughs> I'm the oddest, strangest, craziest, wackiest person alive. And somehow God looked down and went, 
you know what? I think it'll make the enemy just absolutely tremble to use a guy like that. Exactly. Thank you, my son. That was so good. But I want to share with you one of the foundational thoughts that we could never, ever let go of in the entire journey was the internship program. It rocked our world. And some of the interns would say, well, rock my world. No, it rocked our world. And so there were thoughts and things that we did with the impact interns that started to stimulate some thoughts. And we started going, how do we do that with the whole church? How can we replicate that with 200 people? And the answer is, you can't. But we started to look at it and go, how can we draw in some of these principles and now apply them in a church-wide context? So, you're about to hear that. So, we landed on four different kind of, if I can say it, thoughts or changes or mindset changes. I don't know if that's the right way to explain it. Once I explain it, you're kind of like, oh yeah, that, that, I get you. But four thoughts that was the kind of the foundation to this whole thing. The first is what I'm going to call activate. We saw something in the internship program that blew us off our chairs. Number one, we saw intense growth. We saw confidence that built in people that I was blo- we were blown away by. From the beginning, that first orientation week, to the nine months later, and we're looking at the same people going, what? <laughs> it was amazing. But you know what we did with that internship program is there was, there was an activation piece. We were activating people in ministry. We were activating them to do things and to follow the leading of the Lord. And the stuff that was happening was off the charts. And we didn't need Charlie Sweet to do it. We didn't need Joyce Meyer to preach on our church on Sunday to do it. We didn't need whoever else you follow. You know, Stephen Furtick. Oh man, he's an awesome preacher. But you didn't need Stephen Furtick here with his skinny jeans and his beard to preach to get you off your chairs. What we saw were everyday normal Christians that were being touched by the Holy Spirit, that were being spoken to by the Holy Spirit, that were ministering to people by the Holy Spirit, and people getting healed, set free in a moment, and we're going, what? What in the world? Can you tell I'm excited? But historically, our historical pattern and impact is that we're, we're, we teach a lot. But we, if I can say it like this, we over-teach, we under-activate. So we own that. I don't think it was, in some ways, I don't think it's wrong. I just think we were out of balance. I think what we saw was that we have a a default to teach, teach, teach. If we just give more information, if we just give more information, then everyone's going to get it. No, people get it by doing. Right? And so the foundations were necessary, but people learn and grow best by doing. The second thing is this. So we kind of describe that as a ministry model change. Activate is a ministry model change. The second one is what we're calling a leadership model change, and I'm just going to call it coaching. It's a word that everyone gets. We understand it. Um, How many know that whenever you go to a sporting event, you don't go to see the coaches? You go to see the players. You don't go to see the coaches. And so for us, we started to think through this, and we went, 
we are too leader-dependent in this church, and we are underutilizing people right in front of us that have a call, a gift on their life. Now, some of them, if I can be honest, think that their call is, is to be Stephen Furtick, and it's not. And some of you think that you're called to be nothing, and you're called a bunch more. So what we want is a healthy perspective of what God's called us to. But what we are going to do is we are going to shift a little bit from what we're calling a sage-on-the-stage model to a guide-on-the-side. It's a huge change for us. Can I be really honest with you this morning? Can I just be brutally honest and very transparent with you this morning? Some days, a lot of days, it's much easier for me just to do it. Can I, can I be real? Because the time and the effort into coaching is much more. <laughs> but then when you come back to Scripture, which is always a good thing to come back to, just say it. Jesus didn't even baptize people. His disciples did. Jesus sent them out. Yeah, he healed. Uh-huh. He's, yes, he definitely preached the gospel. But all along the way, he took his, his followers aside and said, okay, boys, this is what I meant by that. This is how we should think about that. When you're in a scenario like that, think through it from that perspective. Oh, okay, that's cool. So what we want to do is make this adjustment from a, if I can say, a leader-dependent model in our leadership style to a coaching model. Does that make sense? All right, third one is this. I'm going to call our learning model, and what we've always done is... In the sense of teaching, um, we've always been classroom oriented. I don't think it's wrong, but I don't think it's the best thing. So what we want to do is move from a classroom oriented concept, which is what you've probably been used to with Equip, to a living room concept. Okay? We've had comments over the last two years from people that have been in this church for years and have said, remember when you did the old foundations class in your home? And we're like, yeah, that was the best. And my answer to them, or my question to them was, do you remember anything that we talked about? No. But I made these awesome connections with people. And I got to ask some of the questions that I couldn't ask in a classroom setting, but I could ask it there. And I had an amazing chance to get to know your hearts. And I started to realize We naturally, if Sandra and I can be honest this morning, we naturally default to teaching mode. That's how we are. But we have to make the adjustment to say we need to move from a classroom mentality to a living room mentality. Are you good with that? Okay. So it's going to place a greater emphasis on discussions and coaching and debriefing rather than just us go blah, 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 blah for an hour. How many remember anything from lesson five of Equip 101? Thank you. I do because I taught it for the last 10 years. I can tell you pretty much point by point what it looked like. But no one else does. Now, are we glad that you have the material in your hands? Absolutely. Are we going to still teach the foundations of of the word? Of course we are. But we're going to do it a little different. Is that okay? The fourth thought is this. We wanted to take our discipleship model and streamline it to make it so incredibly simple it is Childproof. And in this case, Cameron proof. Okay, so this is important. We're going to simplify the steps, the process, and make it clear. When you walked in this morning, you actually saw 
our entire model on a board. You've just opened up a little box of goodies, and in there is a little guest book that says, Welcome Home. And inside there, a page about, mm, I don't know, six, seven, somewhere in there, is our model. And that's it. And we're going to explain it here this morning. But I want to just jump into this, if that's okay. So our Impact Church DNA, we have historically always had just one statement, to live like Jesus and? To live like Jesus and? And just to short it up, we say hashtag? Oh, you guys are, it's like, this is beautiful. It's so beautiful. It just brings a tear to my eye. It's so awesome. Now we're going to add something to it. Because I'm going to tell you why we feel like we've been missing something. In actuality, to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus actually fits the concept of a mission statement more than it does anything else. But what we were feeling like we were missing, and it's, it is a tiny little change, but it is subtle, but it is significant, is we're going to add in a, what we're calling a vision statement. And it literally, and I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to explain it, and I'm going to explain to you why we had to add this in and why this is significant. So for us, moving into 2020, our vision statement is now to build a thriving church where Jesus impacts people to transform their world. So do I. Thank you. You're, you're in my will. <laughs> I'll give you one of my seven leaf jerseys. Okay. All right. That's awesome. Oh, that's so good. I'm sure you'll love it, Tay. I know. That's awesome. But to build a thriving church where Jesus impacts people to transform their world. I'm going to explain this. To build a thriving church. How many know that if you're ever going to start anything in your life, you don't want to build something that's dead? Pretty simple. It's not, it's not deep here. Why is this word build here? The word build here is, is to tie in Matthew 16, where Jesus himself says, I am building my church. So the simple conclusion we've come to is if we're going to build something, let's build what Jesus is building. I'm not that sharp. I'm really not. It's like, that sounds, hey, he does it. We should do. That's great. Awesome. To build a thriving church. Listen to this. The word thriving means to flourish, to be successful, to be triumphant. Why is this word important? Because this is an overcoming church. This is a church that, that makes an impact. This is a church that does not retreat. This is not a church that goes, oh, no. Oh, the devil's got us. Oh, no, the devil's got us on the run. No, this is a church that makes the devil scared. Now, we don't underestimate our enemy, but this is a church that makes the devil and his generals get nervous. All right. Where Jesus impacts people. Do you know that the word Christian literally means little Christ? So when Jesus is impacting people, He's impacting us not just to, you know, get us out there and just evangelize, although that's important. But he's ultimately doing this because he wants us to be like him. He wants us to have the same attitude as Jesus, the same things that we say, the same things that we share. That's his heart. Amen? And here's the key. Here's the little subtle addition. Because you could pretty much stop the first two lines and go, well, that ties into the mission statement pretty well but to transform their world. Here's the overwhelming conclusion we've come to. If this church is going to impact the city and the surrounding region for Christ, then we have to get every single person activated for ministry and in their sphere of influence ready to rock the devil's world and bring people to Christ. 
So we are going to, I, I, I think the come and see part of church is still important because this is family reunions. I think coming to events is important. Trust me, it's important. Trust me. But we want to add in this other thought of being not just the come and see church, we want to be the come and see and the go and do. We come and see, we get built up, we get inspired, we get all of those wonderful things, and then we go and do the work of the Lord everywhere we go. Okay, so our mission statement stays the same, to live like Jesus, love like Jesus. How in the world could we change something as beautiful as that? Hashtag live love is already on our, re, or what is it, the information center. It's permanent. So it's not going anywhere. There was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that went into putting that thing on. It is staying. Okay. So you got to know that. But to live like Jesus means that we live our lives in a way that pleases God. Okay? It means that we honor God by the choices that we make. That's what to live like Jesus means. It means that we are on mission to do not our will, but to do God's will. To love like Him means that we are passionate about bringing Jesus' love to those around us. How many have ever been touched and transformed by the love of God? If that's so, put up your hand. You got, oh man, half the church, we got to pray for you. If you have been touched by the love of God, put up your hand. All right, that's good. For those that haven't, um, I have a special classroom setting. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, uh, no. Default, Cameron. Get out of here. Come on. You guys can hold me accountable for defaulting to my old patterns. Okay, that's not good. All right. But I want you to understand that we want people to experience the love of Jesus. That's what it's all about. So we've been developing out of this whole process nine core values that actually are going to take us into this next season. So I'm going to read them quickly. I'm not going to explain them today because I'm literally over the next three months going to take two and a half to three minutes in every service and explain these values. So you're so you kind of get the heart behind it. But here's our values. Jesus is our message. Uh-huh. God's word is our foundation. Faith is our lifestyle. Community is our heart. Serving is our honor. Generosity is our privilege. God's presence is our pursuit. The Holy Spirit is our empowerment. Can I get an amen? And compassion is our motivation. All right, I just want to fill you in on the next part here, um, because what we're talking about today is all about Jesus. Are, we, are you with me? It's, I know, it's mind-blowing, but it is all about Jesus. So everything that we say, everything that we do, every process that we create, every system that we have has to ultimately come back to being all about Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one that begun it, and he is the one that will finish it. And so if Jesus is the center of all that we do, and it all starts with him, we need to make sure that we keep focusing on him, all right? So the most important decision any human on this earth can ever make is the decision to follow Jesus Christ, to invite him into their heart. There's no more important decision that a human can make than opening up their heart and allowing Jesus to come in, which makes that God puts a huge emphasis on leading people to that decision. And do you know who is the best person in Kingston to bring someone else to Christ? That people are like, I don't want to say it out loud because then she's going to hold me accountable. <laughs> so I'm just going to say that Scott. Scott is the best evangelist that we have. Um, no, the reality is, 
No, the reality is that you are the best person that God can use in your sphere of influence. God wants to use you. That's what we talked about. That's why Cameron said where you are, where you work, where you go to school, where you shop, where you bank, where you go and and you go out with your kids. That's where God wants to use you. So we want to give you a tool this morning for you to use. See, um, we've, we've done it a little different before because we, we love teaching. So we've said, hey, if you have someone that's a new believer or curious, bring them to the 101 and we'll teach them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you know the best person to teach a new believer about the ways of Christ? It's you. If you have relationship with someone, we want to give you a very simple tool that's easy to use. Rachel, if you can pop it up on the screen there, you actually have a pamphlet about it in your little box this morning. Um, But the best way to lead someone to a relationship with Christ is through a relational connection. So the best way to keep them in that relationship and keep them growing is through that very same relational connection. So we have something called one-to-one. You can actually download it for free if you have any kind of, it works on every phone. You can download this little app for free. That way it's not even a booklet that you have to remember. You can download it. The person that you are working with and discipling can download it right on their phone. It has every chapter right there. You can go through the information. If you need help to download it, don't come see me. <laughs> go see a techie guy. Okay. Um, but even I could download it, which means all things are possible. If I can do it, you can do it. Um, so this is something with that in mind. Our desire is to see new believers discipled, not just in a classroom setting, but new believers discipled by you. Because you are a believer. And as a believer, God has actually said to you, go out into all the world and make disciples. That's not just for certain people with a certain gift. It's for you and I to do. And so we encourage you to take a look at this. Download it on your phone uh, or on your computer and go through this material. See what it's about because as soon as you start building a relationship with someone, this is a fantastic, simple tool that you can use to disciple someone and let the adventure of a journey with Christ begin. We do this because we want to activate you to disciple new believers. We want to coach you by giving you a simple tool to use. We want to teach new believers in a living room setting or a coffee shop setting, not just in a classroom setting. And ultimately, we want to streamline it down to genuine connections that you have with people in our community. And um, using that simple tool is just one way to do it. But it's there for you. Uh, If you have any questions, come see us and we'll help you with it. The next thing we just want to mention quickly is that we are introducing something new in the new year called a newcomer's lunch. Um, This is something that's going to allow you to learn about the inner workings of Impact Church, to meet our team, hear our story. Um, It's going to not just reveal the heartbeat of Impact Church, but it'll also show you what you can expect on a weekly, monthly basis, and uh, and things we do yearly. There are some things, topics that we're going to cover. You can look in your booklet for that. It's all in there. Uh, But what we have done, just to let you know, if you've been here for a while, what we've done is we have actually streamlined our open house seminar and our pastor's potluck and we've actually put them into one simplified it so that you get a chance to actually hear all of that all in one luncheon with childcare and lunch provided so that everyone has a chance to learn about the inner workings of impact okay now the fun part so one of the things that we wanted to work through is this idea of 
creating a discipleship process as a church that is not dependent upon any size of church. It's not dependent upon any location that we are at. It is completely, uh, it can work outside of those things in every capacity. We also wanted to create something that's simple, something that's not convoluted. Can I be honest with you guys this morning? This is how it's gone for the last 10 years. Okay, I go to 101. Okay. Then I go to 201. Okay. I go to 301. Okay. Now what? Um, can you come to church? Okay. Then what? Uh, <laughs> and so what we've done is we're, we're doing all of these different events. And sometimes what we've seen in the last 10 years is people get a little bit confused about what's expected. So we're going to simplify it, make it so ridiculously simple. We're even calling one of our parts of our growth track first step. Why? Because it is the? Wow. You guys are so smart. (laughs) It's awesome. And then the next step is the? That's so awesome. So here it is. We want to create a simple growth track. Are you ready? So, launch is the beginning, the first step for everybody. So that means everybody comes to launch. Now, I wanted to say this because there's a number of you that have already been through 101, 213, 501, 601, 1701, 4801, 5301, and so on and so forth, and all the other 01s that we've created over the last 11 and a half years. If you've already been to Equip 101, you do not have to come to launch. But if you want to, you can. Or if you want the material given to you, we can do that. If you would like the material in hand because you've already done 101, 213, that's totally cool. Um, but launch, I'm so excited about. Here's, I'm going to tell you the major differences between the old version of our growth track and the new. First of all, this is a small group. It's in someone's home. It's going to change from being an hour and 15 minutes of yakking at you to a 20-minute TED Talk, followed by small group discussion, debriefing, follow-up, and coaching, and lots of food. Because any good Christian knows how to eat. Come on. Oh, can I get a witness? Come on. Oh, yeah. If you don't come for the food, you got a problem. All right? But I want to explain to you how we've organized launch so that you understand that we are literally, literally putting everything together in such a way that we will make sure that you are tracking with our mission, our vision, and our values, unlike anybody else, to the point where a year from now we'll take a test and you'll all pass. No, I'm just kidding. But launch is 10 weeks. The first nine weeks are our values. The 10th week is our mission. So you're going to get it repeated over and over and over again. And we're going to do it small group style. So what happens once you come to launch and you've completed it and everything's hunky-dory, first of all, you have to think through a couple of basic things. Number one, launch is the prerequisite to everything in this church. So if you want to go to a future encounter retreat, it's going to be launched. Unless you've already done 101, then you're good. If you want to uh, become a church member, which we're changing our phraseology from covenant partner to church member, it's something that people understand better. And I feel like I've had to explain what the other is so many times. It's, like, it's just church membership. Oh, okay. So we're just going to go church member. It's easy to understand. Um, 
It's the prerequisite for church membership. It's the prerequisite for an encounter and all of those wonderful things. So once you come to first step and you finish that first step, number one, you're going to know our, the heart and the DNA of our church probably better than most people. But it is just an incredible launching pad for the next steps, which are all small groups. So that second rung, we can go to the next one there. So the next steps, there we go, is we are going to be categorizing small groups into three categories. One are freedom small groups. Why? Because we believe that Galatians says beautifully that it was for freedom that Christ set us free. How many know that for some reason, the, like the repeating pattern over and over and over again in our church history is that this is a house of healing. This is a house of restoration. This is a house of healing. This is a house of restoration. If I had a dime for every time I heard it, I'd be a millionaire ten times over. There is something unique on this church for healing. I don't even understand it. I just don't. If you could ask me to explain it, I can't even explain it. The only thing I can say is it's obviously by the Spirit of God. And I love people's hearts behind it. So one version or one aspect of small groups is going to be what we call under the category freedom. Some are going to be under the category of community. Why? Because the Bible describes the church as the body of Christ. We're a community. We're family. How many know that growth happens best in family? And the third kind of small group category is what we're calling mission. These are small groups designed to get you trained and equipped to go out and to do something in your community. Sometimes they're going to be as simple as uh, developing some prayer things or developing with Activate. We're going to hear a little bit more about Activate in a couple of minutes. But it's literally, we're going to categorize all of our small groups into these three things. Why is this important? Number one, you get to pick. How many know that every single person is at a different phase in their life, dealing with different things at a different time? So what we saw was connect groups were cookie cutter. And how many know that not everyone fits a cookie cutter? That's okay. We did them, and we were quite happy with them in the sense of because they built foundations, they built community, they built a lot of really, really good things, and we are incredibly happy about it, but we saw something missing. Ray actually did research for a number of months. I don't know how long he did it for, but a number of months trying to figure out some of these different dynamics that are working in other churches and why they're working. And the one thing that we kept coming back to is there's more choice, there's more selection, there's, there's more opportunity, not just to come to groups, but also to lead, Okay. So there's a number of things that I want you to hear. First of all, we're switching from a year-long small group to three semesters in the year. We're going to have a fall semester, a winter semester, a spring-summer semester. They're going to be a maximum of 12 weeks long. Why is this important? Because number one, if you want to keep going, you can keep going. So we're not going to stop you if you're having an awesome time. But what I want you to hear is that we have seen over the last number of years a pattern of people that are a little nervous to commit to leadership of a small group that lasts a whole year. So what the church doesn't know, but you're going to find out right now, is that we experimented with you in the fall. (laughs) And man, was the discovery groups ever awesome. The feedback from that has been amazing. Feedback from leaders has been awesome. What we saw is we saw people that could commit to a short-term period and, and actually grow and grow in their gifts and grow in their capacity to have confidence to do these different things. This semester system gives people opportunity to give it a try. Here's what's great about it too. If you're really busy in the fall and you can't commit to anything in the fall, guess what? 
don't come. But if your, your season of life opens up in January and you can do something, go in January. If it opens up in the, in the spring, summer, go then. If you're in a season of your life where you really want to focus on developing your marriage or your family, well, we're, go to the family marriage small group, right? If you're in a season of life where you want to grow theologically or you want to grow with some different understandings of things, so you can go to one of those groups. Does that you get the point? I'm not going to go into too much detail about that because next week I'm actually going to flesh out the whole small group structure for you so that you'll understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Does that make sense? But our new growth track is simple. Go to launch, which is a small group. Once you're done launch, we're going to have a sign-up sheet leading into every semester, and you can sign up for as many or as little as you want. You can determine what you feel like you need right now in your life. More option means more opportunity to connect. More option means more opportunity to lead. More opportunity to do a whole pile of things. And so does that make sense? All right. Small groups. So I'm going to explain them in detail next week. All right. We're coming in for a landing very soon. We have two new ministries that we are developing and are going to be introducing. Um, Some of it's going to be implemented fairly quickly. Some of it's going to be implemented over time. But we want to introduce them to you today so you understand what's coming down the tube, okay? So Pastor Ray is going to talk about a new ministry called CARE. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Awesome to see everybody. Um, So as Pastor Cameron mentioned, we are creating something called a CARE Ministries and um, it's based on this scripture, 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12 from the message, and you guys would have heard me speak about this in the summer. And it says this, may the master pour on the love so it fills your lives and splashes over on everyone around you. So that doesn't just mean the pastors and the leaders experiencing the love of God and letting it splash from them onto you, that's each and every one of you experiencing the love of the master, letting it fill your life so that it then splashes onto those that are around you. And um, that's the concept of care ministries. And I just wanted to point out that um, I absolutely love the song that we were singing this morning about who God is, that it's who he is. Um, and who we are, because the concept of care ministries is also about, not about what we do, but about who we are, that we are representing the love and the care of the Heavenly Father for those that are around us. And so we, um, we have recognized that we have already been a church that is well known for being the church that cares. So in that vein and along that line, then, we wanted to continue that as we continue to grow and to change. Um, we wanted to make sure we were making sure that people in the church were not accidentally getting overlooked, but they were being cared for, very cared for well. Um, and so we're creating this care ministry, and um, it's got a, diff- a few different branches, but one of those is it's going to be an umbrella for all of our prayer ministries. So it's going to envelop the altar ministry team. It's going to envelop the pre-service prayer, so any of our corporate prayer, our uh, monthly prayer that happens on the last Monday of every month. And then we're also, and it's going to also incorporate any like, um, any special times of fasting and prayer that we do. And we often do do that in the new year, although this year we're doing slightly different. It's almost like God says it's okay not to fast this year. He's just going to come and show up, uh, which is fabulous. Um, And then also within that umbrella of prayer ministry under the care ministries, um, we're developing something called a prayer clinic. And the reason why this is, and I'm going to describe it in a second, is we want to cultivate 
um, um, not only a ministry of care in our church, but a ministry of prayer. You know, who here knows that if you cultivate an individual uh, culture of prayer in your life, then it's going to cultivate a corporate culture of prayer in our church. Amen. And when we have a culture of prayer, then that is helping everybody to know that coming to the altar, it's not just about coming to God because it's something that you, you need in your life or you have a crisis or something like that. It's just every day, depending on God, seeking him for prayer, whether you're going through a tough time or you're in the best of times, it's just about cultivating prayer. So all along the way, we want to cultivate care for you guys through prayer. And so we're going to be incorporating something new called a prayer clinic. That's going to be happening on the last Sunday of every month from 9.30 until 10 a.m. so that for those who might not be ready to say come up for an altar ministry time or um, they have had altar ministry time but who here knows we don't always do an altar call so you might not have a chance to get prayer or maybe you haven't connected in with a small group or even if you have that's okay. If you come in on a Sunday morning and you're like you know what I just need prayer Um, We're going to have that prayer clinic for you once a month that you can come and you can connect in with somebody for about, um, we're saying probably an approximate 10-minute time span, um, that they would be able to then just hear your heart and pray with you and come alongside with you and say, we're going to agree together because the word says that wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them and you'll have what you're praying for as long as it's according to his will. So sometimes we just need to know that we're being cared for by having one other person come alongside of us and pray with us. Um, The other element to that is we're going to, we are releasing that to be a little bit more of a prophetic time. We are asking those leaders who we're training to pray for you, to stay away from marriages and babies and, you know, things like that. Um, But we are going to allow them to have a chance to just flow in their talent and their skill of the prophetic word and maybe just prophesy over you. And who here knows that it's amazing how when God prophesies over you, even if it doesn't come about right in that second, there's something that's activated in us and something that gets launched inside of us that just moves us forward. And so we're going to um, just de- continue to develop that prayer clinic. And, and let me say this, if, if it gains traction then we will certainly consider um, allowing that to be accessed in a greater dimension. So maybe more Sundays or on a Monday night before corporate prayer or something like that. But we're going to do a soft start. and We're going to start with the third Sunday of every month. So the first prayer clinic is going to be starting January 26 at 9.30 until 10. I'm sorry, did I say first Sunday? Last Sunday. <laughs> so the last Sunday of January um, from 9.30 until 10. And it's going to be happening in two rooms down the hallway past the pre-service corporate prayer room. Um, there will be one side for the females, one side for the males, because who here knows sometimes there's certain things that you want prayer for. And, you, you know, there's just certain genders you're comfortable praying that with. Um, so we're going to allow that to be happening for you guys. Also, um, then if you are a couple and you want to access either the, the, the person who is a male person praying for you or a female, you can go to either one. That's okay. Um, whatever you're comfortable with there. Um, so does that sound good? Awesome. Yeah. Our interns know what it is to be prophesied over in those prayer clinics. So uh, get ready, everybody. Um, the second thing that the care ministry team is going to be enveloping is something we're creating called a care team. So under the care ministries 
is a care team. And uh, Linda Jeffs and Donna Winges is going to be heading that up. And um, we are putting together a team that is going to take care of the daily care needs of our congregation. So obviously we know that the Bible calls each and every one of us to care for one another. So that doesn't, even though we have a designated team that's going to start doing some of those things, that doesn't um, remove that responsibility from each and every one of us to care for one another and to be watching out for one another and meeting our, each other's needs. However, as the church grows, as we know in Acts 6, um, there was a time when the church was just really developing and really growing and really thriving. And there were certain people in the church that were, they were widows and they were starting to feel like they were being overlooked. And it was accidental. So they implemented a designated people and teams to make sure that those widows were being taken care of. And so we want to do the same thing, that as we are uh, recognizing that the church is growing and that uh, somebody uh, coming in may very well accidentally get overlooked. It would not be our heart, but that can happen. And we would not want that to be happen. Um, so we are creating a care team that's going to start to identify uh, new people coming in, making sure they're getting connected going for coffee with them. That care team will take care of things like hospital visitations. Um, so you, it won't necessarily be your pastors that are going down to each and every hospital visitation. Uh, we're kind of moving to a, a stage where we're having to touch base with the more crisis moments and the non-crisis ones. Not that you won't have access to the pastors. You certainly will, and we'll certainly um, be continuing to visit at the hospital and things like that. But we need um, a a greater measure of people being able to handle and sustain the care and the needs of, of all of you so that everybody is feeling cared for well. Does that make sense? Um, so we're going to continue to, to um, develop that. There'll be meal, meal preparation in that, anything to do with new births. Um, if you happen to be at home with a long extended illness, things like that, uh, visitation for that, and then any other needs that arise. So we know we have single parents uh, in our congregation, and uh, sometimes it's wonderful to have just somebody come alongside and fix their plumbing if it's needed. So we have a team that's going to be watching out for those things and see if they can um, pull in another person, another volunteer, and say, hey, could we have this need? Can you go and, and meet that need? Amen? Um, so um, the last thing I wanted to mention then, in the future... And we are establishing it to a little bit right now. But in the future, this is one of those things that we're going to do a soft start with. And we have to slowly develop it. Um, is something called a discipleship counseling. So for those who are here and you know me well, you know what I do. Um, I do the majority of the counseling, I would say, at this stage for the church. But because I have a background in behavioral science and I've had those skills developed and I have experience and stuff like that, there's a certain amount of counseling that I can do and a certain amount of in-depth counseling that I can do that I can't train somebody else and expect them to do the same thing because they just haven't had... 20 years of experience. They haven't had three, five, six, seven years of, of education, right? However, there are those of you here, here who would like to potentially come alongside of somebody in council. Um, but what we're going to have to do is um, it's going to develop slowly. Why? Because we have to identify people who are not only interested, but spiritually mature, and not only spiritually mature, but actually seem to have skill and potentially educational background or experience in that kind of thing. So it's not just for everybody. But what we want to do is we want to create a, a team uh, that is able to then, again, meet the counseling needs of our congregation. Because who here knows that with over 200 people, I cannot meet one-on-one -on -one with 200 people for one to two hours, right? <laughs> uh, multiply 
multiply me. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to multiply, um, but just on different levels and different needs. Um, does that make sense? Is that coming across okay? Okay, and because we want to make sure we're caring well uh, for the church. And we want to move that discipleship counseling. I just wanted to clarify that um, that doesn't mean you're being discipled, as in what you might know as discipleship in teaching. It's about discipleship in freedom. So you can get discipleship in learning, and you can get a certain amount of freedom, but then there are some of you that will just need to go just a little bit deeper in your spiritual growth and receive just a little bit more in-depth counseling to gain freedom in certain areas, and that's what it's for. Um, And also, too, then that is just meant to help your pastors be able to move to a place where we are dealing with maybe more crisis moments um, compared to non-crisis moments in those discipleship counseling sessions. And so then overall, uh, the Care Ministries is designed to help us, again, to create a culture of care and then a culture of prayer. Um, And I wanted to say this. It's because caring is is not about what we do, but it's about who we are. You know, when God cares for us, It's not about what he does per se, but it's about who he is and what he does then comes out of that heart. Awesome. Scott and Carney, if you guys want to come up. Um, So part of the small groups that's going to be kickstarting, and I'm going to explain at the end kind of when this is all going to happen. um, There's going to be a a new new type of small group that's actually going to be fitting under the mission kind of category um, that they've been working on for two years. And uh, we are super pumped. And I have a feeling that you may pick up on their excitement when they talk. Just saying. It's called Activate. Forgive me as I try and stay vertical. Uh, two years ago, God placed this, uh, this one word upon our hearts uh, that completely changed our lives. And, and it really started this pursuit chasing after seeing Jesus get all that he paid for on the cross. Because how many know that he paid a very heavy price for not just the forgiveness of sins, but actually so much more? And it really started with this one verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, and it says, The kingdom of God is not of talk, but of power. And so um, we believe just as it has excited us and it has transformed our lives, we believe that um, this is going to cause a transformation not just in this house, within this church, but also in the city around us. And so that one word that changed our lives is this word activate. And so we are creating an activate ministry in which we want to activate the church body to live out the fullest potential of biblical Christianity in its truest sense through a spirit-led life. There will be three semesters in which we will bring about condensed, practical teachings on living life, activating the spiritual gifts, combining hands-on activation exercises that will stretch your faith and your comfort levels. We'll have a short TED Talk style teaching, followed by small group discussions, and then the focus being those hands-on practical activation exercises, activating each spiritual gift and, and incorporating them into your absolute everyday life. Tapping into every learning uh, style, we're going to activate the entire church body from the new believer all the way up to the lifelong Christian. We'll provide practical tools on how to hear the voice of God, how to prophesy, how to, how to um, heal the sick, how to discern and deliver a word of knowledge, and so much more. These are all things that the body of Christ is actually meant to walk in. In, in Acts 2.17, God says, um, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. 
you know, many people think that you have to be some qualified leader or some, some trained professional in order to activate the spiritual gifts. But the only prerequisite, according to this verse, is that you have flesh and that you're a son or daughter. How many people in this house have flesh on their bones? How many here are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Come on. You are qualified for this ministry. Okay. Now, how many know that we are not just human beings who sometimes have occasional spiritual experiences? We are actual spiritual beings that are seated in heavenly places right now. We want to activate that very lifestyle in your life through a culture of encouragement and risk-taking. We believe in activating the spiritual gifts that God has given each and every one of his children through these practical hands-on exercises. Because 1 Timothy 1 verse 6 says to stir up the spirit of God. Stir, sorry, stir up the gift of God that is in you. And 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 tells us to train yourself in godliness. That word train is the Greek word gymnazo, which is the same word in English that we get the word gymnasium, which means we are literally to take our spirituality to the gym and give it a workout. That's literally what God says in this verse to us. (laughs) We want to provide the safe place in order for you to have that spiritual workout in. Now, for those of you who want to go even deeper, the third semester will strictly be outreach. And we're going to send you out as missionaries into the city, two by two, just like Jesus. And we're going to spread the gospel. We're going to transform this city through supernatural evangelism. Because it is not through talk, but it's through power that the kingdom of God is activated. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, I, was, I was at Costco, and I saw this lady who had, who had a broken arm, and she, she had this cast, and it was, it was a, a fresh injury, and I could see that she was in pain. She was holding it close to her body. And I, I approached her, and I stirred up conversation and built up a rapport with her, and I asked her if it would be okay if I prayed for her. I said, God loves you, and he wants to show you right now how much he loves you by healing you. Would it be okay if I prayed for you? And reluctantly, she eventually said yes. And so I, I, I put my hand right in the middle of Costco, put my hand on her wrist, and I said a prayer for no more than 10 seconds. Come on, it's not your words that heal people. It's God's presence that already lives in you that heals people. And so it's just a transference of, of that kingdom within me and putting it onto her. And so after that 10 seconds, the tears start welling up in her eyes. She experienced an encounter of the love of God. And she said, I was in so much pain this morning, I I couldn't even do my own hair. And now I can do this. I wasn't able to do this this morning. She starts crying in the middle of Costco. When you became a Christian, you had a God encounter. And you became a God encounter so that everyone else around you could experience a God encounter. Whether you're already walking a supernatural lifestyle already or you've never even read the book of Acts, this, this ministry is for you to activate the kingdom of God that is already alive within you. And we're just going to bring that out and release it out of you. And while I'm up here, if it's okay, um, I felt during worship that 
you know, God speaks through many different ways, through words of knowledge, and, and sometimes those words of knowledge are through um, physical things that we feel, because, you know, Jesus, Jesus was a feeler. Jesus felt pain. Jesus felt our iniquity. He bore all of our sins, bore all of our pain, and so sometimes we can feel these words of knowledge, and, and I've, I've, during, <laughs> it's funny enough, it was during the Revelation song, God revealed to me um, this ankle, this aching in my left ankle, and so funny enough, I see somebody with a left, um, something on the, a boot on his left ankle, and, and I really believe that God wants to release healing for anybody who has any left ankle or left foot injuries. Is anybody here has any issues with their left foot, left ankle? One, anybody else? Yeah, another one over there. Here we got a couple over there. Cool. Can you put your hand really high? Are you okay if we just for a quick second? Can you put your hand really high? Yeah, there's a couple. Okay, anybody who's sitting around, we're just going to pray really quick and release the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's here and, and he's moving right now if that's okay. Yeah. Holy Spirit, you are here and you're moving. God, I thank you for revelation that increases faith and faith releases healing. And God, we declare healing right now over these left ankles right now, these left feet, left toes, whatever it is. Bones line up, ligaments line up, tendons line up, and muscles line up with the kingdom of God right now in the name of Jesus. All pain leave in the name of Jesus. We give you glory and thank you for the miracle in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I just kind of come into a kind of a conclusion here, I want to tell you a story. I love storytelling. When we were with our second year intern group, um, we did this thing. Well, we did it with the first year intern class. We did it with the second intern group. Um, where in the second semester, so from January to May, every Friday uh, morning, we would literally set aside a time to. Uh, have some people um, literally from sometimes the church, sometimes from other churches, sometimes from out of town, that we would literally bring in on the Friday morning and we would just say, we, we, if it's okay with you, we would like our interns just to pray for you and encourage you, you know, that's all. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we'd love to do that. And I want to I share this story because... I want this idea that only the Charlie Sweets, the Gary Hayes, the, the Stephen Furtick's, the Brian Houston's, the, and fill in the blank with anyone else that you really look up to in ministry, that it's just for them. That they're the only ones gifted enough and skilled enough and can hear God's voice enough to make a difference in someone's life. Sandra and I experienced something one Friday morning where I saw what I have never seen before is crazy accuracy prophetically about a scenario that all the interns and including us had no idea about. Read their mail in such detail that even the name of a person was brought up that no one had any idea of. And that whole room turned into this, I don't know how to say, it was a cry fest. We were all bawling our eyes out. And I was literally stunned to think that five, and I don't want you to think less of yourself for a second, normal everyday Christians could have that kind of profound impact on an individual's life. And then it repeated every Friday. 
And we kept looking at this going, okay, so what's the formula? You know how some of you are like, okay, what's the formula? If we figure out the formula, then, we'll, then we're good. Here's the formula. Are you ready? You love Jesus and you love people. That was it. So what we are believing for, starting from today forward, is that this church would be activated to love, to care, to pray, to share, to, to teach, to do whatever it's going to take to see your sphere of influence come to Christ. Why? Because he's calling you to transform your world. There's a bunch of other things I was going to say, but I'm going to do it next week. But I want to just give you some timelines. And then we're going to pray. Actually, worship team, can you come up? I want to do that first song and rock it, rock it, rock it. And then we're going to go and have cake and pray that as the cake goes down our mouths that it would turn into carrot sticks on the way down. <sighs> you know, sometimes you have to be specific with your prayers. Come on now. Can I get a witness? Come on. Lord, change it into tofu all the way down. Okay. But I want to let you know of some timelines. What we're going to be doing is a soft start on our new small group system and structure the end of March. It's going to be a smaller, soft start version of it with anticipation of going all out in September. So there's going to be enough small groups offered that you guys are going to be able to get on board and jump in. If you've never been to Equip 101 and 201, you're going to start where? Launch. First step, that's where you're going to start. And we will make sure that we have enough launch small groups in March uh, to make sure that we can handle all the people that want to start there and go there. Um, but what you're also going to be hearing about is some of the different small groups that are going to be coming up from that. So again, there's going to be a soft launch in spring. Launch is going to be a part of that. Activate is going to be a part of that as well with a full launch in September. What you're going to hear from us for the next number of months is us repeating Vision, mission, values, vision, mission, values, vision, mission, values all the time. Because we want you guys to get this in you. We want you to understand that this isn't just about words. This is about taking us, I love that verse, 1 Corinthians 4.20. That it's just not about word, it's about, it's about power. It's about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I love what you said too. It's about, also it's about in a safe place taking some risks. How many know that if, God said, go speak to that person at Costco. Some of you hearing that story going, I would never do that. <laughs> it's okay. Start at home with the person that lives in your house. That's good. Start at an activate one small group. We're in a small group praying for one another. You know what made the interns go nuclear? Is they were in a little small group. First year and second year. Small group of five with a couple of us leaders joined in. And that's all it took. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.